Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Urban Youth Word. We want to encourage you to engage with it and at the end even ask Holy Spirit to take this word, let it go deep into your heart and for him to make the changes that he would like to make through what has been spoken. If you have any more questions or you'd like to reach out, you'd like to know, we'd love to reach out to you. If you haven't joined us, I want to encourage you to join us in person. Urban is a ministry for high school aged young people and we meet every Friday of the youth term where possible and we would love to connect with you if you haven't yet connected with us. We did anything wrong to us but we just had this hatred for them and we said we're going to start out in the middle of the night, as soon as 12 o'clock comes around, we had a couple of air horns with us. We're going to blow these air horns, right? We're going to sound them out. And before we do that, we're going to already have a boxing ring set up in the middle of that grass area. And we had already bought boxing gloves. And we're going to set up a boxing match in the middle of that grass area. And it's going to be staged, right? And we're going to draw a big crowd. So we did it. That was the first bit of the plan blow out the air horns and we got everyone out and we'd done like a boxing match in there and the other people all come out to see what was going on and uh the trick was was while the other boys dorm came out we were going to like fight them like not actually hurt them but just get them out of the dorm was the trick so we managed to get them out of the dorm and then we went in t- we had one person uh, two people sneak in and grab all the mattresses so that plan bit of the plan uh to get the mattresses out and then hide them. So that was, this is stage one of the plan. Now, it sounds really easy and it sounds like it was going to work and it didn't at all. Uh, they caught us doing it. One guy stayed in the dorm. He didn't come out and we had to wrestle him out and the whole thing didn't work. The leaders shut it down super quick. We got half the mattresses out. One of them ended up on the roof and it wasn't great at all. So we got in. We didn't get in trouble for it. We just ran inside. And then we had a leader set up out the front of our dorm the whole time with a flashlight. Uh, and we weren't allowed to do anything. Uh, the trick was, is our leader was actually in on our prank the whole time. He actually let us do this prank. Um, worst leader in history. Well, best leader for us. Worst leader in regards to what you should do as a leader is let your boys do the prank. Um, so he convinced the other leader who was sitting there that we had all gone asleep. He had checked. He's like, oh, yeah, they're asleep. We weren't asleep. And by 1.30, oh, it was like two-ish maybe, we did stage two of the plan. Stage two of the plan was for us to get out, go to the oval, and we collected up a bucket of kangaroo poo, right? And then we snuck into the girls' toilets, right? Like men. We snuck into the girls' toilets and we filled up the sink full of kangaroo poo. Actually, there was multiple sinks, like two sinks, full of kangaroo poo. And then, this was still the stupidest part of the prank, we had blue food colouring and we put that in the toilets. <laughs> I don't know why, it just made them look clean. <laughs> we should have gotten red or green or something, but we did blue food colouring in the toilets, which just made it look clean. And uh, we found a black tarp and we put that over the mirror and said broken on it. And uh, yeah, we just made a mess in the toilets and we were like, pranked, pranked, spiked your mic, pranked. And uh, we did that. And the leaders were sleeping up at the gym and the gym was kind of like our Ellenbrook gym. Imagine that the offices are like uh, actually attached to the basketball court and they're actually dorms. So that's kind of what it looked like. And we grabbed the drum kit 
from the auditorium. And we moved. I'm top, we went big, bro. I'm telling you, we went big. And we dragged the drum kit all the way up into the gym, which was a bit of a hassle. And we stashed that. And then we moved a couch in front of the door. And then the leaders were there sleeping. It was 2.30 in the morning. And our leader was in on it as well, so he wasn't sleeping. And uh, we went with the crash cymbals and the tom-toms and the, the kick drum. Like, one boy was there, like, stomping it. And I was there on the cymbal, crash, 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 crash. And the other boy was tom-tom, do-do-do-do-do. And we made all this ruckus. And it was like, shh. And then as soon as they opened the door, they couldn't get out because of the couch. And then we bolted. And then we went to bed. <laughs> and that was the prank. Got pranked. You might be thinking, bro, you got wrecked for that. And I was expecting to wake up and, like, what are they going to do? It's the last night. They're going to kick me out? It's like, tell me never to come back? I actually went and led those camps for another three years after that. So, <laughs> what are they going to do? Um, and I actually woke up the next day and no one was telling me off. I was actually incredibly surprised. The only person that really got told off was our leader. And why do we think that is? Because he, as a leader, was called to a higher standard than the rest of us kids. He was called to a higher standard. And today, I'm going to be talking about that, talking about being called to a higher standard. Uh, I've kind of had to do a huge reshuffle with my whole talk today. I uh, kind of went back to defining what it means to be called. I, I had this idea in my head um, of, of what it meant to be called and what that meant. And yeah, I had to really go back and look at it and... After I went and found out, um, for me, what I think it means to be called, I was like, man, I've written this whole thing wrong. And I had to go back and shuffle it. So that's why I've got these big bits of paper. It's not really like how I like to preach. I like to preach in little notes. Um, because I want to be deliberate with you guys. and I want to be giving you guys the best stuff uh, that I can, that I feel is from God. So I want to start as well uh, with Mark 4. Uh, Lockie, if we can get that on the screen. I'm supposed to get on my phone. Mark 4. So this is the story of uh, our homeboys. What do they call it in the thing? The disciples? Whatever they call it on the screen. Uh, Jesus' homeboys on the boat uh, just after Jesus talked to a massive crowd. Mark 4.35. Uh, I'm reading from New King James, the chosen book of the Bible, the chosen translation. Uh, feel free to read on the screen or if you have your phones with you, uh, the Bible. So on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Talking about the lake. This is Jesus speaking. Now when they had left the multitude, so when they've left the massive crowds, they took him along in the boat as he was, and the other little boats also along with him. And the great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I'm just going to quickly pray. Lord, we want to thank you for tonight, Lord. I want to thank you for everyone that's here. I, pray, uh, I just want to pray a blessing over them, Lord. And I just pray that you open our hearts to... Uh, whatever you want to say tonight, Lord. I pray that you move me aside and I pray that you speak through me, Lord. I pray that my words are, are not mine, Lord, but, but they are yours. Um, and yeah, I just pray that your will will be done tonight, Lord. I pray that your presence is here, Lord. We thank you that, that you are here, that you are always here, Lord. And I thank you that we just get to come and be in your house, Lord. 
Thank you that we come to worship you, Lord, and we come to be here in your safety. In your name we pray. Amen. So, I came to the conclusion that calling, uh, I was getting mixed up between calling and purpose. I think calling is really what that is about, is the idea of what we are called to. It's the idea as Christians, we are called to a higher purpose. We are called to uh, live according to um, the, the standard uh, that God has placed before us. So what I mean by that, it's kind of like what we mean, uh, living as Christians, to live godly. I've got here, um, we are children of God and we are called to be loyal to Him. We are called to have a relationship with Him, basically to, yeah, to be Christian and to live godly. That is our calling. So to, uh, with our peers who, who maybe haven't accepted God yet, God's called us to live above the rest to live a standard and I was getting that mixed up with purpose and I think our purpose is what God has destined us to and I think that ties in with our calling and I think those two complement each other I think when we live up to our calling when we live into what God has has uh, called us to I think that complements our purpose I think then we can move in our purpose with our giftings um, and I want to use that story in Mark to help me illustrate our calling, and I, and I was thinking about comparing our journey to that boat, you know, the boat that's getting rocked by the waves and the boat that's filling, but I know none of us really, I, some of us might have been on a boat before, but none of us really own boats or own wooden boats anymore, so I think what's a lot more relatable is maybe a car, because I know a lot of us have been in cars or, or have cars, and for me, I'm more of a car person anyway than a boat person, so my first point tonight is that your car, your journey of calling, uh, your car's not going to fit everyone in it. We see in that first part of the verse that when the disciples get on the boat with Jesus, when they make that journey, they don't take the multitude of people with them. They don't take all the people with them. They don't take hundreds of boats. They don't fleet out into the lake. They just take the disciples and Jesus. There's a few people that sit there in the lake, but it's just disciples and Jesus in the boat. They didn't need these huge crowds. And, and we have to be careful when we're looking into our calling, who we're taking with us. Because not, I believe everyone is called, but there's going to be some people when we step into that calling that are going to try bring us away from that straight away because not everyone's in tune. Uh, uh, not everyone's going to be in tune with that straight away. Maybe you've got friends that you've just had an incredible night at Youth Alive or maybe you had an incredible night at Youth and you're suddenly like, man, God is awesome. I, I'm going to step into this and uh, I'm going to try change. I'm going to try to do all this. And, and that might make some people uncomfortable. They're man, like, who is this new guy or who is this new girl? Like, they're, uh, they're changed. They're, they're different. They're not talking how they used to. They're not doing the stuff that they used to do. And they might, might try to turn you away from what God's called you to. And your boat, your, your car, has, uh, it's not good enough room for everyone. So we have to be careful who we put in that. They are, yeah, they don't cram everyone in the boat. The disciples, they actually didn't need each other either. It's great that they had each other in there. It's great that they had each other for support. They are, if you actually look in the verse, I can imagine the disciples actually started freaking each other out. When they see the storm, they would have been like, bro, man, look at this storm. This storm's crazy. Man, what are we going to do? And they started freaking each other out. It actually takes them a while to go to Jesus. How many people in your car are distracting you from Jesus? Oh, man, how many people are 
like, it, I wonder if it was just one of them, if it was just John on the boat, would it have been easier for him to go, man, there's a big storm here. Jesus, all right, I need to go to Jesus and, and seek help. But because there were so many other people, there was 12 dudes on this boat, uh, are they getting distracted? Who, who's distracting you from Jesus? Who's in your car? Who's, who's in your circle that's distracting you from your calling? So they only needed Jesus. We can't fit everyone in. Be cautious of who's in your car. Who's going to guide you on your calling? I mean, my car, my car's only got five seats at the best of times, man. I can maybe fit one more person on the boot and strap someone in on the roof racks, but I've got to be really cautious about who's on my ride, especially my calling. Who are the people that are going to lift me up? Who are people that are going to mentor me? Who are people that are going to keep me accountable? Going like, hey, Tyler, dude, what are you doing at the moment, man? That's like, that's not it, bro. You've you got to stick to the calling that God's got for you. The second is, is the journey of calling, you know, your road trip that you're going on, this journey of calling, it's not going to look like how you've planned. I bet when the disciples stepped into the boat, they didn't expect this big storm to rise up. They didn't expect this huge storm with these huge waves or else we would have seen earlier in the verse that they would have been more questioning Jesus like, hey, bro, you think this is a good idea, man? Bro, you think this is right? Like, we're about to step into this small little boat when these big waves on this lake. Like, I don't know if this is a good idea. I don't think they would have expected that. Our journey of calling isn't exactly going to look how we expect it to. There's going to be things, there's going to be trials, there's going to be triumphs uh, on our way. I mean, I, I can tell you this straight up. Um, at the start of this year, I was in this space where I was going, God, man, I need you to pull through. Like, I, I need you to come through big time. Because I was looking at, I was getting kicked out of my rental. I was going, I got no place to go. I really don't know how you're going to do this. I was looking for work and I was looking and looking and I didn't have anything. I was going, God, man, I know you've got this plan. I know you've got this journey. I'm trying to stay in my calling, but I just don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to do this, God. I know he can do stuff. God, I know you can do stuff. I know you're a God of miracles, but my situation just seems complicated. I don't know how you're going to do it. And there was other stuff going on. And now I'm in this incredible job, which I absolutely love. And I've got another job coming up, which I'm so thankful for. And God's placed me in this beautiful house. And God just has a way. But I didn't know this was going to happen. I had no idea. And I, I wouldn't have been able to see it. You know, it doesn't always look like how we planned. Yeah, you know, I was... Uh, one of my mates asked me to help me help him uh, with a proposal and it was supposed to be so smooth. He, he asked, he was like, hey, bro, I'm going to be down here in Fremantle. I'm going to be driving up uh, to, I'm going to be driving up just a little bit north and, and what, oh, he's going to be driving up to Scarborough and he's like, we're going to be going past Kings Park. I was wondering if you can help me. He's like, I, I had the ring. And he's like, I was wondering if you could just meet me in Kings Park and just be like, as I'm driving past, call me and be like, bro, my car's broken down. Can you help me fix it? And then we'll do a quick detour to Kings Park. Give me the ring. I'll propose. It'll be sweet. I was like, yeah, bro, I got you, man. Easy, easy. Can I tell you that was the most stressful day, like one of the most stressful days of my entire life. I'm driving there to Kings Park 
I have to line this thing up perfectly. And when I tell you that life doesn't look like how you planned, that this is a perfect example. I was driving and, and you got this like, little thing on your car that tells you the temperature and you want it to sit halfway. And I now drive with mine at very cold, which is bad for your car, but it's because of this, because my car's overheated like four times now and I drive it with very cold just in case. I was driving and I see my temperature start to go up and I'm like, Lord, please <laughs> don't do this. I've got the ring and if I don't get the ring to him, he can't do it. He's going to have to propose with like a chisel or something. I don't know. But I'm like, Lord, please don't do this. I'm with my friend in the car. We're, we're trying to get to them. I haven't even called this dude yet because she doesn't know she's going to get proposed to, obviously. We're driving down Tonkin. I'm flogging it. I eventually get to the city and all my coolant in my car, my hoses burst and poof, it's bursting out and the smoke's coming out of my car and the coolant's dumping on the floor and my car keeps shutting off. So I keep flooding my engine, turning my car off and turning it back on again. And the person to the left of me, my, my friend, is, is navigating for me. And uh, I don't know how, but she navigates me. Has anyone caught a bus in the city before? No one? No, none of you guys use bus? All right, so the bus depot in the city is underground. And I don't know how, but I ended up underground with my car in the bus depot. Now, I don't know about you, but my car doesn't look like a bus. And uh, cars aren't allowed in the bus depot. So I see, I'm going down, I'm like, this does not look right. This does not look like my destination. As my car is fuming and dying and it's like, kill me now, please. And uh, I see a bus coming out and I see buses in front of me and a bus behind me. And just my little white car, <laughs> my little Subi is going in. So I quickly just put it in, I put it in H, man, and I just, and I take it out of there. We eventually get to Kings Park. I call this guy. I'm like, hey, bro, can you help me fix my car? I'm calling on the phone as I'm driving. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, I think I'll be able to help you out. He later tells me that he was on literally the last bit. I don't, if you guys are, none of you guys are really driving yet, but you know when you've got the last turn on the, on the highway for an exit? and then it kind of splits off like he got the diamond. He had to merge off the diamond to get me. It was like God's plan, man. It was the last second. He had to do an illegal thing. Anyway, he gets there. We had set up a picnic for him. It all worked out perfectly. And he like pulls up and my car is, I've got the hood up, gas is going, well, steam's going everywhere. Coolant's on the floor, runs out. He's like, man, you've done a really good job at faking the thing. And uh, they propose, and they're sitting having a great time. You know, they're, they're on a high. They're just, they're going to get married. And he texts me. He's like, bro, you can go now. <laughs> I'm like, I can't, man. I can't go away for RAC. I was there for three hours. I was waiting for RAC to come pick me up. And sometimes things don't go how we plan. You know, our journey is not A to B. And we see that with the disciples. They did not plan uh, uh, for that. They did not plan. It was not smooth sailing. Yeah, sometimes our car will break down. Sometimes we'll get a pop tire. Sometimes we will step away from our calling. Sometimes we'll be like, God, am I even called in this? Am I even called anymore? God, do you even have a plan for my life? But you know what is super encouraging about this verse? Is we look at what Jesus was doing. What was Jesus doing in this time of this storm? Jesus was sleeping. And you might be going like, Tyler, why is that encouraging, man? Jesus doesn't care. Why is that encouraging? No, 
Jesus knew that this storm was happening. Jesus saw that this storm was happening beforehand and he is so powerful that he decides to sleep through it because he knows that they're going to be okay. He doesn't send the disciples on a boat and then go sleep up in the mountain and he goes, yeah, I know the disciples are going to be okay, so I'm going to go sleep up on the mountain. No, he's on the boat with them just like he's with us in our trials and he's asleep because he is so confident and we're so powerful that he knows that the storm isn't going to touch them. That is the God that we serve. That is the God that we are walking. I find that so encouraging. And, and I needed to hear that today, that our God through our storm is able to sleep because he is so powerful in it. You know, sometimes we think that when we become Christians, that it's going to become easier, that we've taken the easy route. And that's not it at all. I don't know where that lie comes from, or where that stigma comes from, but that's not it. But we are going to have storms. But we have a God that is able to sleep through him. But the disciples, when they woke him up, he said, peace, be still. And he calmed that storm. How many of us just need to ask Jesus just to calm our storms or just have the faith to calm them? We also need to be careful about what fuels our calling. What fuels our calling? What is fueling your car? I, my first car was a Mercedes 1986 uh, 230E. It was this old thing. We called it the Grom Bomb. I bought it with three mates. We bought it for $500. It lasts two and a half months. I had it for just shy of three months. Why? Because the fuel that we have now is unleaded. This fuel that you needed for this car, it was leaded fuel. I found that out, yeah, two and a half months in that we were pumping it full of the wrong fuel. It was a beautiful car. We absolutely loved it. It is now a metal cube about this big we sold it to scrappers it lasted that long because we were filling it full of the wrong fuel if you guys are filling your calling full of the wrong fuel it's not going to last for that long what, what do i mean by that well if we're like stepping into our calling god you know i'm going to live for you i'm going to step into your standards god i'm going to live to the calling that you've set for my life because my friends are doing it because everyone else is doing it at youth. So like, I'm going to do it as well. I'm going to jump on that train. What happens when youth is over? What happens when, when your friends go? Like this is something I'm so passionate about, like talking about people with us, is what is the reason behind it? Like what's your why? For me, like I know what God has done for me. I'm so in awe of what God has done for me and the love that follows that. And that is my reason for following God. I know that Jesus died for me. I know the stuff that he's done following that and I know the love that he has for me and then the love I have in return and nothing anyone else can do can take that away from me. It doesn't matter what other people do, but that's mine. But what, what is your reasoning? What is your fuel for your calling? Because if your fueling is based on someone else or based on something else, yeah, it's because I was kind of born into a Christian family and it's kind of the thing to do is just go to church, yeah. So what happens when you leave home? And like, what happens if your family's like, yeah, we're going to kind of like not do church anymore. What happens to your calling then? What happens to your fuel when it runs out? We see in the, uh, we see on the boat that these disciples, the fuel that they have is fear. They have fear facing them. And Jesus had to be an example of the good type of fuel. 
He had to come in there and show them that they should have had faith in them. He was an example of that. But what about Joseph? Right? We're, we're talking about Joseph this term. I haven't forgotten about our boy Joseph. Oh man, that's some good water. That's some holy water. We can't drink holy water. But What about our boy Joseph? Right? What does this mean? What has Joseph got to do with calling? All right. We're going to do a bit of reading. Sometime later. Oh, let me see. So, Joseph, a little bit of context. He's just gotten in Potiphar's house. Uh, Potiphar's couple under Pharaoh. Potiphar's wife's been a bit risky. She's been like, hey, yo, dude, let's uh. And he's like, nah, bro, not about it. And she's like, you're trying to with me go to jail. All right. That's what's happened. Joseph, after everything he's done, after all the trials, has been sent to jail. He's like, God, where are you in this? I'm trying to live up to your calling. I'm trying to be loyal to you. Jake talked about that last week. God, where are you? Oh, I need a bit of light. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker uh, offended their loyal master Pharaoh, became angry with these two uh, and Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in the prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night. Each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them in the next morning. He noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dreams first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup, and then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as the chief cupbearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to the Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland and the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison. But I did nothing to deserve it. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. And in my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. Then the birds will come and peck away your flesh. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff he summoned, his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position, and he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dreams. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. So we see our poor boy Joseph, man. He ends up in prison. And then uh, he interprets a couple of dreams. We think it's finally time for him to get out. It's finally time for things to go right. He's stepping into his calling. God's going to do something incredible. And then he gets forgotten about. 
So Joseph's brothers, we look at the people perspective. Joseph couldn't fit everyone in his boat. He couldn't fit his brothers because they were not ready to step into their calling either. His brothers were tearing him away from his calling. You know, we learned that early on They start because uh, he started to interpret his works. He started to step into his purpose uh, and they go against it and sell him to slavery. He then spends his calling alone, just him and God, until he meets Potiphar, who raises him up in his house. His wife then isn't ready to step into her calling and then tears Joseph away, tries to tear Joseph away from his. And uh, Joseph ends up in prison. Joseph can't take everyone in. He's got to be careful about who he keeps. He knows that. He's got to be careful about who he lets speak into his calling. You know, Joseph's journey wasn't planned out. Oh, sorry, it was planned out by God. But Joseph didn't understand that. Uh, he understood that it wasn't A to B. Joseph would be going, God, what? I was my dad's favorite. And now I'm sold into slavery. God, man, I, I was like a leader in Pharaoh's house. And now I'm in jail. You know, what, what is this? His journey uh, and his calling doesn't look how he thought. You know, after he interprets those dreams, he sits in three days of agony, man. He would be interpreting those dreams from those two guys. And then he'd be sitting there for three days going, man, God, you better be real about it, man. You better be true about this. I swear, man, if this isn't real, those three days would be agonizing for Joseph. But we see God pulls through. But then the butler forgets about Joseph. He'd be going, God, I thought that was it. God, I thought that was my ticket out. But we don't see the bigger plan that God has for Joseph. We're going to see that later on. Lucky God knows the plan. Lucky God's plan is better than ours. But Joseph's eyes weren't fixed on the plan. They were fixed on God. The plan is so all over the shop. That's why we've got to keep fixing our eyes on God. And we see the fuel. Joseph is in a position of power, even in prison. He doesn't use it to make others serve him, but he actually uses it to serve others. Jake spoke last week about how, oh, sorry, two weeks ago, about how Joseph was loyal, even through temptation. Even through temptation with Potiphar's wife. And I think that is so true, uh, even when we see in Joseph's story, he made sure to honor God no matter what and no matter where he was. You know, even when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, he said, no, you know, be gone, get out of there. You know, we see that the captain of the guard had favor with Joseph. And when we look back in verse 39, we actually see that Potiphar is captain of the guard. If Joseph had stumbled and been, uh, you know, if he had mucked around with Potiphar's wife, he wouldn't have had as much favor as he did in prison. But because he was loyal to the calling, because he was upholding in his calling, God was able to honor him in that. You know, his journey could have ended right there in prison. But because he honored God no matter what and he had the right fuel, he was able to keep uh, according to the plan. He was able to keep going. So maybe tonight you, there might be like a couple of things that are going through your head. Maybe you're like, man, I think like in my calling that I haven't had the right motivation for it. Like maybe I am just here because of my friends or like maybe I am just stepping into to God because of my friends or family or, or whatever it is. Or, or maybe you're like, yeah, there's some people in my life that maybe I need to, to say like it's, it's, you know, they're speaking too much into my life and they're taking me away from my calling. Maybe, maybe it's uh. Maybe it's something else that 
that you feel tonight um, that uh, there's, been, there's been another prompting, um, something about a godly life, but we really want to speak into that tonight. There's whatever God's been saying to you guys, we really want to create a space and, and pray for you guys into that. So I want to pray now um, for you guys, if that's all right, when we wrap it up. I think we want to go into small groups as well. I'm looking for a look, but I just want to pray for you guys.